0: So i was telling my wife the your new book the this is how we end things has the best opening slash hook that i've read in the last like 10 years <laughs> thanks that's the report yeah like yeah. i'm not done with it so no spoiler, but no spoiler. I, that opening was so good it's like i'm in yeah, thanks i'm in that's funny.
1: I, that's the first thing that caught my eye. I'm like, this is a great opening. It's, <laughs> fantastic. it's a- Yeah, the first page. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned it. It's funny you You, you told your wife because my wife came over was like, what are you reading? And I go, oh, this new thriller that we're going to interview the author. And she goes, oh, this looks interesting. So,
2: <laughs> That's great. Uh, the report actually is formatted after a report that I kind of took from a buddy of mine who does those all the time. And I was like, and send me a report that you did and just redact the hell out it but i want to know how you go about asking the questions and kind of how what it's going to look like on a piece of paper i haven't seen one in a while oh, okay so that's like the official that's yeah. how to do those yeah, that's, if it was for a like a court case forensic thing that's what it would look like oh
1: cool kind Thank of you. a nerdy book question but when you have formatting like that in a book where it's not like the normal font per se like how do you do you come up with what you want it to look like or does the publishers like have an idea of how they okay. want to do it or
2: Yeah, I think the publisher does most of that. I can put things in all caps or bold things, but then they sort of send it back before it goes to kind of a formatting place to say, does this look right? It's it's interesting because when you write, you write in Word or on pages, and some of it just doesn't translate to what it's going to look like when it gets printed. Some things that are in, in italics or you would think would be in italics, it's not supposed to be like that. Or I've made tons of grammatical mistakes like that, where it's just not, the the title is not supposed to be the way that I've made it or something mm-hmm. like that.
1: I've always wanted to like in books where there's like, there's like a handwritten note sort of in the story and then they have that yeah. in the, the book. I'm always like, did the, did the author have to pull some weight? Cause that, yeah. that, in my mind, I'm like, that has to be more expensive. <laughs> I don't know why, but just they have to, like, set up something. To, do you have any experience with that
2: or is that...? Yeah, in my last book, one of the characters hand wrote a note to another one yeah. and sort of slid it to him, and they showed the note. Okay. And I think it was effectively like having an illustration in your book. Oh, okay. Huh. We're, already,
1: we're already getting into the ner- nerdy stuff
2: <laughs> While we're on it, how does
0: the cover art situation work? Do you have any say at all? Or is that separate?
2: Um, it differs publisher by publisher. So um, the short answer is no. I don't have much to do with it. And there's plenty of people who are experts at it and kind of know how it goes. But the publisher that I'm with, with this book and the previous one, um, they do some market testing to see what people will click on. And so they'll put a couple versions out there. Because you know, really, it has to be drawn to your eye on the size of like a little cracker for Amazon. I mean, so many people just buy books that way. So they'll know, like, oh, this color really draws somebody's eye, or this font is working better. They do a little market testing and get some numbers, and they help figure out what the cover is going to be like. That it's pretty slick. That
0: is fascinating. I saw it was like a joke thing on Twitter about how certain. Uh, murder mysteries it's always a blue black black background, yellow font with a house with yellow lights and they had you know like 30 all
2: (laughs) yeah they're startlingly similar yeah and i ran into that with my second book because it was it was just so similar to another book that was coming out right at that same time that the author of that one complained and so i didn't know how to handle it exactly so we changed the the color of the font on lines red, so it wouldn't bear such a resemblance. But it's kind of the zeitgeist, or kind of the way that, you know, the other part of it is is that it seems like copycat, but it signals readers about what the story's gonna be like, and it sort of sets expectations about what the story's gonna entail. Certain colors mean certain things. Um, Like, for example, I learned that pink usually means paranormal.
0: Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, your new one is screen is autumn. Feels like
2: fall. Yeah. I know. Yeah. College campus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Vibes. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Takes place in the spring, though, Matt. (laughs) Yeah. No, I. That's actually a really good. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Matt, I finished the book. I was, are you done okay don't worry nah, yeah, yeah. I'm halfway before we get to the let's introduce who we're talking to this week Matt uh joining us for the second time uh author RJ Jacobs and the book we're kind of referencing is this is how we end things the newest book uh just came out this month a week ago two weeks ago yeah 13 a
2: week and a half
1: ago yeah. generously sent us two copies uh Matt dropped one off to me on Monday and I'm done a couple days later Um. This this is just gonna be like praise. I, I think one of the things with thrillers, I feel like, is can you get the setting and like the setup right? Like that's I feel like I don't know if you agree, but that's like a big part for me sometimes with like a thriller or like a mystery or. And this being set on the eve of a, a big storm on a college campus with like graduate students hit all hit all the marks for me. Uh, I was wondering, like, how did that sort of idea setting, how the weather impacts the story, did that all come early on? Or how kind of sort of how did that come about?
2: Well, yeah, so that it started actually, because I was touring colleges with my kids at the time. And so I was seeing a lot of college campuses. And, you know, if you guys ever do this, or if you've done it, it's way better to take the tour than just to go and look at the outsides of buildings. Yeah. But sometimes you got to go when you got to go. <laughs> and so we were going at times when it was the summertime and the places were deserted. Wake Forest specifically was completely deserted. And so we're walking around Wake Forest. We didn't see a soul. And I kind of started thinking about what would it be like, you know, if it was kind of, this was the setup, you know, you it, it essentially created like, without locking a room, kind of a locked room mystery. It's just a, there's not that many people. Um, the snowstorm is kind of the hokiest part because it just makes everybody have a difficult time getting around. And in modern mysteries and thrillers, there's a lot of stuff you've gotta be kind of careful as a writer because technology makes it so that people solve things really fast and communicate really fast. And so some of the impediments like are kind of predictable. You know, there's a lot of like dead batteries and cell phones and oh, uh, power outages and stuff like that. And, you know, it's it, it, you kind of have to do what you have to do. Otherwise, it's you know, you're not going to write like a 25 page novel where somebody just solved it with their iPhone. People would be yeah. like, what kind of story is this? So, yeah. um, uh, and then, you know, I was in grad school for a zillion years and. You know, if you've ever been in like one of those academic departments after hours, they're quiet. I mean, there's something kind of spooky about being up in one of those buildings where the lights are on, but, you know, there's nobody there. Maybe you hear somebody at the end of the hall. You don't even know quite know who it is, but then you've got a long walk to your car uh, across campus. It's kind of eerie. It's kind of spooky. And you can see how you could get up in your head about it.
1: No, oh, I yeah. thought maybe maybe want to go back to college. I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> probably not the aim of the book, but I was like, I don't want to be a part of murder mystery. I don't want to die. But I'm like, I would like to go back to a college campus and like just study all day. Uh, but there's that dynamic too about graduate students being competitive. And there's like this, you know, you tap into that kind of in the book and, and sort of the, the professor leading them is kind of an interesting character because mm-hmm. they have their own motives. So it's just... There's a lot of tension built in with the, those kind of characters i f- I feel like,
2: yeah, and even in in academia, there's just a lot of pressure to publish. and that process is is super um competitive in and of itself. It's very frustrating for a lot of people, especially you know this character has tenure, but you know, especially if you're trying to get tenure and you know you've got to wait for peer reviewed article to come back. It, you know it really kind of ratchets up the stakes um and it's it's very bubble like right i mean in for those people that's the ecosystem and yeah impacts it um matt did you ever,
1: i i don't have i don't want to spoil the book cuz i don't want to get i don't know how far you are in the book matt
0: yeah i'm about halfway so we don't want to spoil for the audience i was
1: reading on my lunch break today at work because i had like 70 pages left and i was like oh i was like okay okay then i only got 15 pages left i i figured out who the like the kind of like the reveal happened and i was like i gotta go back to work but um won't we won't spoil it obviously but definitely uh very entertaining um i was very suspenseful and great setup so i don't want to just you know keep going on about how
2: enjoyable the book was but
1: you know
2: <laughs> one of those, man I, you know i think that there's a little bit of uh everybody likes to solve a puzzle with a book like this but then i kind of wanted it to be that even even if you could guess or even if you you got to that a little bit sooner than everybody else that it would still be fun to read the end of it
1: See, I'm not very good at guessing the, the twists in books. I, I kind of don't even try to do it. And in this book, I was like, okay, okay. And I was like, and I felt like I was like, I don't know. This seems a little, but it, there was a good um, balance and kind of a variety. And it was, no one was clearly cut, like not the killer or clearly the killer, which is always good. But um, I'm not usually, one, I'm a, I i usually don't see the twist in movies or books. So people are like, ah, that was terrible. The same
2: I'm the yeah. same, I'm so gullible. And like, especially with some of those that where it's like there's a ghost in the house or something. Yeah. I, I really buy it all the time. And I know that it's a, a red herring and I still buy it. I still think this has to be. Again. I had a
1: question about sort of um, when you're coming up with these stories you can kind of mentioned it kind of briefly. Do you read other like thriller or mystery books and if not, do you kind of avoid them so you don't, some of their sort of techniques seep into your writing or do you, is there a balance where you kind of want to know what people are writing about or you kind of want to do your own
2: thing? Yeah, it's a balance. Um, I do like to read other mystery and thrillers um, when I get a chance or, you know, I'm in sort of in the mood for it. But I think like most people, I'm just kind of a mood reader. <clears throat> you know, if I haven't read one in a minute, I try and pick it back up. I'm actually in a men's book club and we alternate picks so that's it's kind of awesome because it takes the responsibility off of you for deciding what you're going to read all the time and it puts you reading stuff that you wouldn't normally read I like that
1: um I got some fun questions I'm going to start off here Matt yeah Um, do you have a go-to recommend book so, so I imagine people come to you like with asking like, Oh, what's a good book, you know, of, or something you're an author. Is there a go-to oh. book or books that you're like, kind of like, this is so good. Even if you don't really, really like this genre, you'll love this book. Really? Do you have a go-to recommend oh. to stranger or friend?
2: Yeah. You know, I really like, I really like Peter Swanson's books a lot. I feel like he's a very good writer. Um, I really, the book that I felt like I was recommending for a long time is Behind Her Eyes. Did you guys read that one? No. no. It's a book that it's it's almost like, this is going to be a weird analogy, but it's almost like The Stranger by Camus or like The Sixth Sense where everything clicks in about the last 30 pages. Okay. No. And it's this incredibly long but very engrossing kind of ride up the roller coaster where you sense all this mounting tension, and the whole time you're thinking, what in the world is going on? And when it clicks, it's so jaw-dropping. It almost, yeah, it, I don't want to give away any more than that, but it's so well done. And she really, really took a risk in writing it that way because, you know, people get impatient and want the story to be a certain way. But as a writer, I was I was so on her talent on that. Um, I was listening to this writer at this conference recently who um, she was talking about toying with the ending of her book and just making, it was a supernatural thing or she was, that was an element of it. And she said that she was tempted to just make it be supernatural, like at the end. And her agent was like, listen, you can't change genres like 80% <laughs> of the way through the book. everybody' going to get really upset, <laughs> but That's- it's, it is kind yeah. of amazing. That's one of the things that you really like a writer who takes a risk because the genre can be pretty confining.
1: That's hmm. a good point because, yeah, the, the conventions of the genre sort of limit sometimes the storytelling aspects because I've always thought when a writer takes a risk and it doesn't work out, it's almost better than if it was just, I can kind of almost like maybe the writer's going through the motion, so to speak. But like, yeah. I totally agree with, um, Sometimes you want to break those rules, but I kind of understand why they, you know, publishers kind of like them, but
0: yeah. Well, that's why everybody got mad at David Mitchell about the bone clocks. I don't know if you've read that. I haven't. I've actually never read that book. <clears throat> it's really good. I liked it a lot. And it's, you know, structured like six separate chapters with a character is a common through line starts as a 16 year old girl to when she's an old lady. And one of them is the supernatural, like the fifth chapter and it a lot of reviewers, a lot of people in salon were like, "I loved everything except for that fifth chapter. It just kind of huh. you know, and I wonder if Cloud Atlas hadn't been such a success, he would even be even been able like allowed to do that, you know it's true
1: um, well. I, yeah, you probably get a little bit more leeway once you start writing books as yeah. far as kind of changing
0: genres in the of the book. if they sell. Yeah, so. probably. I imagine you'd have the heft to be like, okay, I'm going to try it. But it did upset a lot of people, including uh, you, Peter. No, it didn't.
1: Seen, I, I know where you're going with that. You set yeah. it up. I knew you're at the end. You're like, and Peter didn't like that. I just, it wasn't <laughs> my favorite aspect of the book. It was kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know. It matters. Like, you don't understand it. No, see, that artist, like, what did, yeah. Uh, when you're reading a book, are you drawn to a specific thing? kind Of a, a list of you know things that I'm kind of drawn to style, prose, plot, symbolism, themes. Is there one of those you weigh more, um, mm-hmm. more than others, or you know, since you're a writer, is there something one of those that you kind of um, it's more important to you as you write, um, or is this sort of a, a balancing act between all those?
2: Man, it is you're such a plate spinner mm-hmm. because if you're spending too much time on character development, you're not moving the plot along fast enough. And if you're moving the plot along too fast, you're forgetting about the setting. And so I really admire it. This is kind of a non-answer, but when somebody can kind of do it all and when it just clicks or or even like um, they set up a premise that is kind of bulletproof. I always admire that, like, uh, like the movie Speed. There's a bomb on the bus. The bus goes below a certain number of miles per hour. The bus blows up. Get the bomb off the bus. It's perfect. Yeah. So, you know, that's just going to go. It kind of, it's got such a propulsion from there uh, as a thriller. I, I admire it when by page 20, you already know what's going on. You do a lot of like
1: sketching out the book to sort of get do you prefer to have the plot sort of already laid out and then you add in the layers of, you know, character development and setting and, you know, adding different things like in this latest book, weather being important, kind of a added kind of feel to the book. Is that is kind of the plot that kind of backbone and then sort of the add on? Does that make sense? Yeah.
2: I have to do it like that. Um, and I've gotten more and more like that as I'm going along. Uh, um, I, I do feel like, as I'm fleshing everything out, I kind of get to know the characters better. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes by the end of the book, they're more themselves. And so that's actually like a piece of editing that I do is I kind of go back to the beginning and make sure those characters are consistent throughout because you you get to know them a little bit better or even you change things. You say, ah, they wouldn't say it like this. They'd say it like this. So sometimes those pieces change. I feel like the story I usually try to get pretty good, but then there's some things that, you, you know, yeah. even, even especially in the beginning, you know, editors change enormous um, major themes. And like right now, the book that I'm writing is set in Texas and I'm well aware that an editor could say, Oh, this is great. This is great. But could you make this be Alaska instead? It wouldn't be that in like that big of a, you're
1: already four books in, right? They would do that on your fifth book? Come on.
2: Uh, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you kind of trust it, too, yeah. because they're the ones who have the experience, and they, they're they really good about predicting what is going to resonate with an audience. So that I wouldn't bother you too much? Is it what? Oh, that wouldn't bother you too much?
0: Be uh, like, I have a big scene with the rattlesnake. I guess I have to make it a grizzly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've got to make it a polar bear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yes yeah just search and replace yeah replace. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah you know if you let yourself get irked by that you're just going to be kind of annoyed but that's the difference between writing and publishing mm-hmm. yeah. you know so if i wasn't trying to like market a book like that i could write whatever the hell i want but the yeah. the editors and the publishers know what people are going to like and they know like oh if it's set in a certain place it's just going to go better
1: Do you have the same editor from book to book or does that kind of change, but based on publisher?
2: Um, I've had the same editor for the last two books. Okay. The first two books, it was different. And also people move around. Yeah. So the, you know, somebody will leave the publisher or, you know, also just like life happens, like any business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you um, kind of, when you're publishing a book, do you, Kind of who has the last say on something? Like if you're kind of, let's say the, the setting, for example, and they mm-hmm. want you to change it and you're kind of hesitant, what's the, is it the resolution usually go with the author or is the publisher or is there some sort of email chain of events where it's,
2: <laughs> or is it just yeah. A- yeah, I've never been in a position where it's been adversarial or yeah. I thought we're going to have to really, you're going to win or I'm going to win you know, if it's a big change, I kind of want to hear the rationale for why it feels important. Um, but if it is there, you know, I, I get it. In my second book, um, I had, you know, the, the main character was very much up in her imagination. And at some point, she's arrested and I had the ghost of Waylon Jennings come and visit her <laughs> because she was a huge country fan. And the editor was like, this is too weird.
0: This, oh, really?
2: Yeah. And I was like, what? This is my favorite part of the book. This is the awesomest part. Like, people are going to love this. The ghost of Waylon Jennings? You know, who, who would have ever, like... It's a good title nothing... for a book, too. Ghosts right? I was like, this, this is a totally unique thing. And she was like, yeah, exactly. Like, there's a reason why stuff like that isn't out there.
0: Wow. So, I don't I read that uh, as Summer in the dark, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read I like that.
2: Ah, I would have loved that. A little Whalen Jennings. Yeah. Um, it wasn't um in the in the final draft, it was a dream, but it could have been an you could have read it as an apparition. Um, but it was the woman who had died who came to visit her uh instead of Whalen Jennings, who in the first draft was Whalen Jennings was kind of her protector and it was this voice that she would hear. Mm-hmm. And so it got kind of edited from there. But I thought I thought that was pretty cool in the You could
0: bring her back as an adult detective who solves mysteries with the help of Waylon Jennings' ghost. Right, and I love that. that. Yeah, you yeah, have yeah. A pink cover because it's paranormal.
2: That's right. Yeah, that's right. I
0: like that. Uh, you mentioned like
1: earlier, kind of a little while ago, about like kind of technology and stories now in books. Um, it's kind of something that I've usually for me personally, like when I'm reading something and there's a lot of discussion about like how apps work or like how like all this kind of stuff, it kind of jarring. Like I know that's a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of curious your thoughts on how do you integrate technology? Like everyone that's modern life, but I for some reason, it often like kicks me out of the story when it's like, this is an app that where you find, <laughs> like and it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And you're kind of, your newest book, it didn't really feel like you kind of mentioned like, you know, bones can kind of solve uh, crimes easier. This didn't really feel like it was like, oh, this is going to be a technology kind of based story. Uh, What are your thoughts about technology being in the book?
2: Yeah, you know, you've got to work around it. You know, aside from a couple of things, really, this book could have been set in the 70s or 80s. Yeah. You know, um, but I know what you mean about it kind of kicking you out of the story. Uh, and I think technology is, if you're like me, it's befuddling. And so I feel like, oh man, another thing I've got to learn. And <laughs> it, there's almost like it becomes kind of a job a little bit where you don't want to have to learn it too much. Yeah. Um, at the same, same time, you know, people get frustrated when they don't kind of get where you're going with something. Or if, or if you've left something obvious out. That would have been easily solved. Um, mm. um, readers, they'll you will hear about it, and so I do think it's like just enough. The thing that your question made me think about, though, was that um, in other countries, especially like British authors, a lot of times there's different names for the same thing.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, I find that um, it takes me a second because I think, wait, are they talking about like the flashlight? Yeah, yeah they so say too much. Talking- but yeah. they, they call it a torch yeah that's exactly that's a that's an example of a time when i think oh yeah right and it it's just a little snag i've i've done that where it's like where did they they didn't where did they have time to light a torch because i was kind <laughs> of like a yeah. you know, stick of right fire. yeah you picture like indiana jones in a can yeah. and you're like oh, you yeah. no, it's just a poem yeah. 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 yeah
1: yeah i don't yeah i don't really know why i'm so anti-technology in books it's very rarely where i'm like oh this is it like well done i mean it's always like i, I don't Sometimes it's so overly describing what yeah. basically is Instagram like or Twitter exactly. or something. And it's like, okay.
2: <laughs> well, they tell you that to be a good writer, what you're trying to create is a vivid and continuous dream that almost feels like it's seamless. Okay. And when you get into the tedium of like learning some technology thing, there's nothing vivid and continuous about that. There's nothing dissociative about that. Yeah. It's very much, I think, I mean, that would be, I, I would guess, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's, that, that's interesting. But how you weave that in, I remember I was reading as a, like a interview or essay about David Foster Wallace. And when he was in, you know, very serious MFA program mm-hmm. in the 80s, he was recalling his professor talking about, you know, what real literature and how much technology to put in, you know, back in the 80s. And all the young kids were pressing their older professor about, okay, where's the line? The professor is don't put anything that would date it. You know, it needs to be as true in the 18th and 19th century as now. And that sounded good until the students were like, wait, so electricity. So car. Yeah. Yeah, There's a line. Yeah. Train. So I wonder if there's going to be a certain point in 10 to 20 years when all this new stuff to us, won't kick the next generation or two out of the dream the dreamlike state you were talking about
2: yeah it's no. it, it's a you're weaving it right because in some ways if you get too into the weeds there it stops being magical you know it just becomes like almost like a manual of something um but i do to your point about dating things in my first book um i described somebody as having bernie sanders hair <laughs> And if you can picture Bernie Sanders, you're very vivid. Yeah. yeah. And the editor suggested that I change it to Albert Einstein here because that would be something that over oh, okay. Almost, yeah. you know, it, it almost everyone can picture that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And go ten 10 more years. Yeah. People yeah. might not get the Sanders. Yeah. Huh. All right.
1: Fun question. Yeah.
0: Uh if you had a choice, you have a day of reading, but
1: there's you're either on the beach or in the middle of a snowstorm what do you pick mm, i'd pick the beach beach, beach. yeah See, i pick i pick snowstorm i get distracted when i'm out in the sun trying to read i'm like I'm hearing stuff i don't live near a beach so maybe if i did yeah i grew up in
2: florida man so okay you know <laughs> it, that feels like home to me and um i like being i would love being able to you know read 20 pages set the book down, jump in the pool, pop back out, dry off. You kind of think about what I just read. Um, Matt, yeah. do you
0: have a pick? Sir. I want to say my instinct was cozy cabin in the woods. Mm. You know, I don't want to be like in a tent in a snowstorm. You got to specify. <laughs> snowstorm, but I got a nice cabin. <laughs> yeah. No
1: tent. Uh, you're under a tree, mat, and uh, yeah. what do you pick?
0: But you could talk me into like a a beach but not a crowded beach but like a, a private place with the pool that looks yeah, like a resort beach. yeah res- you can talk me into that yeah
1: i think it, yeah it might be based on where because we're from Colorado. Oh, i'm from colorado and that's you know kansas mm-hmm. so it might be geographical preference. I, guess, I don't know yeah. um do you ever break the spine when you're
2: reading a book constantly constantly yeah it's my constantly. book baby I, i'm gonna do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's going
1: on my shelf. I bought it oh, for me. Yeah, for some reason, I always feel bad when I hear that crack. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife will just like put the book down with like it, like that's the pages she's on. She's you know like upside down sort of thing. I'm like, be careful! Like we have bookmarks all over this house. And she's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> no,
2: I'm I'm a savage. I'll fold the pages. Oh, oh yeah
0: yeah i'll uh, annotate if i own the book i'll annotate it and yeah. if a pen's
2: all i have I'll, yeah, that's I'll, like, fine, mark yeah. it. but if it's mine
0: there's an etiquette
2: a super quick story because today's my mom's birthday my mom's passed away years ago but i had many of her books i yeah. inherited many of her books and she used to do a thing where in the back if she didn't know the word she would write it out and the definition Oh. and so every once in a while i'll pick up a book and I'll open it. I'll just be reading something, and I'll realize there's a word underlined in the text. And I'll flip to the back, and there's her handwriting, and mm-hmm. she's gone to Webster's or Miriam, yeah, you know, and she's written out what the definition is. And it's the sweetest thing.
1: Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. I like that. But I always liked
2: it because it was, you know, it's a vocabulary builder in a way, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you keep do you keep track of what the the books you've read? Do you use Goodreads? Do you have a notebook? Do you have, or do you just kind of <sighs>
2: man i i i it all kind of swims together i honestly hate goodreads i'll, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be super transparent i think it's so destructive <laughs> i i i can't even look at that thing um but no i don't i don't really keep track of it very much okay
1: i quick story i have i've had the same college notebook since um or college rule notebook since i think high school and i write each of the books your book is the latest one it's, Keeps going. My wife oh, didn't yeah. know that, like, the meaning of this notebook, and <laughs> she like tore pages out from the back, and like slightly tore the cover of it. Just you know, like, oh, I need a scrap piece of paper. And I go, like, I had to be calm, but I had to, like, that's a special notebook. We can't. <laughs> she was, like, oh, and then I'm like, flip to the front, and there's like, you know, ten pages of just like the book I read, and it's sort of, I don't know, for me, it's a reminder of like, oh. I can kind of gauge. I don't write like the year or you know whatever yeah. what the page is, but I can kind of be like oh that was two thousand twelve or whatever. But any, yeah, that's kind of my my nerdy. If I lost that thing, I would probably be kind of heartbroken. It just hmm. I don't know. Matt,
0: do you have a, a notebook? Yeah, I had one. I started back in two thousand two. Ooh. Is all the books, but you know, honestly, when we started doing the podcast, I kind of stopped doing it. Oh, really? Because I I listen a lot of audio to keep up, and then I, I make so much notes and I annotate stuff. I kind of remember what I read from my notebook with the quotes or the little note cards I put them on. So I've actually trailed off. Doing
1: I, still, I, I still I still do it. I use Goodreads too. Sorry, I don't,
0: know. <laughs> I don't write the reviews. I just. I just-
1: I, I like it for like recommendations. They sometimes I find just random books I would never have heard of through some weird algorithm that sends me, You'll like, you like might like this book. I'm like, oh, interesting. yeah, interesting. Um, sounds like you use a computer to write your books, but do you ever do like freehand pen, paper or anything like that? Typewriter maybe?
2: I don't know. Every once in a while, I'll write um, in a notebook if I just have an idea and I've got to get up and get it down. Um, there was a while where when my kids were younger and I was driving them around, I would have to write like while they did stuff in the mm-hmm. evening. And I remember at one point I forgot my laptop. And so I was writing on my iPhone, you know, like yeah, checking, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like in the hallway of a middle school. And like... <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you, you know, sometimes you just got to do what you can do.
1: Yeah. When you go to someone's house for the first time, I think this might be my favorite one. Me and Matt discuss this often. How quickly are you looking at the person's bookcases, at their books? Do you do it like maybe, you know, at dinner party, you're like, oh, you kind of peruse what they have. Or you just – you try to ignore it because then the whole You're like, oh, I'm an author and stuff like that. Me and Matt, like even when we visit each other, it's like 30 seconds and we're looking at – I'm like, we know our bookcases by now. And we're still like, <laughs> hey, what's that?
2: And then, hey – do you do that at all? Friends? Uh, you know, people you don't know? Yeah, you know, it's and it's so telling, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it says something about what the person enjoys or what um what they find entertaining, what resonates with them. Um, you can tell when somebody's kind of putting on airs and they've got, you know. Yeah. Matt and I do that. <laughs> I, I sometimes put the good stuff that's out, all i do like
1: in, in the living room I'm like all right let's this book is definitely a living room book and then <laughs> book's, my like guilty pleasures i'm like let me put that uh up in the attic where yeah. I do the podcast i don't know how this got in here yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then there, there's the question oh you've read that like start it or yeah i'll, yeah. I'll get to it matt you, you're good about that you you kind yeah. of you say, you say you may have read. Have you ever lied about reading something? How about that no, book? I
0: never have. You you may have led people to believe that you might have read I something. I fudge a little bit about Blood Meridian. I only read half of it. And I never finished it. But it's one of those to be like, oh, that sounds like Blood Meridian. You know, I'll kind of. I won't lie and say I have, but. You don't you correct them? Experience. I wouldn't.
2: <laughs> I may talk hey,
0: like I finished it.
2: Blood Meridian is a difficult read very difficult for being so lauded it's very very difficult to get into it's tricky it's violent mccarthy's like that we read such
1: just- yeah we read Sutry on the podcast and that was a easier than blood meridian but it definitely is it's just kind of a strange case of he's very difficult but also very popular and usually those yeah. two things don't really go together in a way yeah
2: i know what you mean um the one of his that i really liked that um People don't talk about as much as all the pretty horses. I like that one. So good. Yeah. It's kind of,
1: I wonder if it's just kind of it's sort of straightforward. It's not like.
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of coming.
1: In crazy violent or. Yeah. Odd. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only one I read of the um, border trilogy. That border trilogy, yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, do you have any questions? Because I have a bunch of nerdy,
0: weird no, questions. I mean, do you remember the first? like real
2: adult book you read when you were a kid oh boy um i remember reading uh stephen king i read the gunslinger uh and i remember kind of falling into it it was just a world and i would read it i remember i always read you know and i, I picked up little books here and there and um i remember you know, it's just being busy with school, but understanding that reading something like that was just a different thing. That's probably in middle school when I was doing that. Okay. And I remember thinking, man, this is kind of weird that I want to be kind of working my brain, but not in school at the same time. Really engrossing.
1: That's amazing. Cause we asked this question to author Brad Kelly, who does a host of a podcast called The Art of Darkness. And he literally I just checked my notes. He literally said the gunslinger. Dark Tower series in third grade. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. No. It King, was, like is hugely influential,
2: I feel like. Hugely influential. Uh, you know, there was some of those. The other one that I've heard people say that was Stephen King's was Cycle of the Werewolf. I don't know if you guys I remember, remember that, that one. It was a novella, but it had all of these really gruesome illustrations. And so you go into like a Walden books, you know, in the mall. Yeah, and, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. And it would be like in there and you could kind of thumb through it. It was essentially like short stories. It was told by months of the year. So it was 12, I believe it was 12 chapters. And um, that was sort of the cycle of the, you know, over the course of the year. Um, But there was a February one that was like a Valentine's Day related story. And there was like a March one that was more spring, more, uh, uh, yeah, like,
1: when you got into uh-huh. writing, did you ever read his um, "The Art of Writing"? I think it's called by Stephen.
2: Oh King? yeah, no, I've got yeah. it on this bookshelf right
1: here. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I my creative writing classes in college, we had to read that. And I was like, Stephen King wrote a book, and I was like, oh, this is really good. A lot of really good like rules and and yeah. things to follow. Just curious. So, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Thoughts on creative writing programs. You didn't do a creative writing program, correct? But if you were ever to like redo your life, I know you have your your kind of your day. Do you still do the psychology, the day job and then the writing or are you full-time writer at this point?
2: Oh, no. I still have a full-time practice. Okay. Uh, yeah. Would you
1: ever be like, man, I wish I did a creative writing program and then just was a writer since college? Or do you feel like it's good to have real-life experience and also a, a good career to fall back on if – Because writing is a difficult thing to like, you don't know if you're going to make it or you don't know.
2: No, a a thousand percent. And I'll answer that question by saying, you know, I live in Nashville and I talk to a lot of musicians Mm. who are trying to make a decision about sticking with music as a career and trying to make money with their art or, you know, you know, quote unquote, selling out and getting like a real, you know, nine to five, more conventional job. And I I kind of reject that duality. I don't think you have to make that decision. Um, I think a lot of art or writing or music, is, you have more freedom with it when you're not trying to use it as your primary source of income. I think it kind of pressures it. And I you know th- there's there's tons of people out there. My friend Rhea Fry is a professional writer, and she's killing it. She's doing great. She's she is in a lot of ways living the dream. Um, but I feel like it would all start swimming in my head about how marketable something was and how much people were going to like it and buy it, and I'd be worried about paying my bills. It would scare it would scare me to death. Yeah, that's, mm. that's interesting because you almost feel like you would all, maybe
1: start to overthink everything a little bit. Yeah, so you, you, would, you, you would. You would, it, you, would, you would put this pressure on you to be like, okay, if this doesn't work
2: you know yeah because you're not just a writer you're in sales yeah Hmm. you know and that's the part of it that i think that a fair number of writers it's people love to write to sit in your pajamas and write a first draft is just paradise (laughs) if you're not trying to make money off of it no worries but if it's something that you're thinking is going to be like your occupation it's it's real different and i mean you as you started by asking the question about mfa programs man i would have loved to have done one of those I, you know, if I if I had the opportunity to do it now, I'm sure I would get so much out of it. I'm sure like light bulbs would be clicking, but you know, phrases for things and strategies for things that I'd never thought of. There's so much to, and I really admire people who do it. It wasn't it wasn't what I could do.
1: Mm-hmm. I my only my only like I think we've discussed this now on the podcast is with the MFA pro, programs. It doesn't seem. I think this might be changing, but they don't seem to embrace like genre fiction in a way that I think is healthy for like writers. It's all sort of like you have to be serious. You have to write serious stuff (laughs) for serious people. And it's all and we've kind of complained about that. All the books kind of seem sort of similar in a weird way. They almost seem like the author is bored with the idea of writing a book, which is like books are just like that's the book is not dead. Like the novel has a long life still ahead of it. You don't need to be like, uh, anyway. So that was my rant on the MFA program. Oh,
0: and those might just be the the big name lit fic type program. Yeah, it's true. So,
2: I mean, I know probably, that is going. It, oh, go ahead. It's probably like going through a hard training program in any profession where if you took the skills and then later applied it to something else, it, it probably has more applicability. Imagine if you came out of one of those and you said, okay, I'm writing uh, thrillers and you could kind of employ that skill set somehow. Or I, I think it'd still be useful.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I know Lehane okay. has an MFA and he's a mystery writer. So That's true.
1: Do you feel like you're getting better at writing as you continue to publish books? Do you feel like there's certain things that you're like, oh, I had an issue with this early on. Or is each book sort of a different challenge and it's, you don't sort of figure it out ever. There's still
2: problems. Yeah. uh, In some ways, yes, I am getting better. Um, In that I feel like I've internalized a little bit of like what an editor would say. Okay. And I feel like I can, I can predict that. And I I do what you're not supposed to do, which is write and edit at the same time. Mm. Um, But I kind of, I have a, a more internalized sense of that. I think. In other ways, I feel like I was better when I was first getting going because I had so much energy for it. Mm. It was this, it's really, when you do one of these, it's like this secret world that you live in. And no one knows what you're doing. And it's kind of cool because it is a refuge from everything else. And you go retreat into your private space and you know these characters and you get immersed into this story and it is a complete palate cleanser for all of the rest of your day especially if you have a job that's face time involved in it or you know you're public facing patient facing to do something creative and solitary it's very cool and so in some ways I kind of miss those days when it just felt and, it, and especially when you're get, getting going no one knows who you are it's very anonymous and so uh there was a kind of um alchemy mm-hmm. to that early time you know that uh, it, was, it was kind of cool do you your morning you when oh. do you write mostly um i'm changing it right now so i used to write in the mornings and then i used to feel like um i had to work out in the mornings to try to you know get that in so i was writing more like when my kids did their homework but um my enormously dark secret is that uh i have dipped school for many years and I'm trying to quit because I don't want to get oral cancer my dentist was like it is time to quit so yeah. recently I have shifted back into the mornings to try and write on coffee when I still am uh have energy during the day
0: yeah, yeah. okay yeah do you we keep... won't tell anybody yeah <laughs> <laughs> out there now yeah do you
1: keep uh when you're starting on a project do you keep that sort of story and the characters close to you do you like bounce ideas off of people like when do you sort of let like readers in or just any like your family or anybody into sort of what you're what you're doing or is that nobody
2: really sees it until like your agent greenlights parts of it so what's happened before is like my my agent has said like yeah okay that sounds good do this and then they don't see me for (laughs) like eight or nine months and so there is a little bit of that where it's like you know hope you like it you know or you might might send a chapter to say like oh this is kind of what i'm i'm thinking does this this seem like it still works and then when when you first you know you sign a contract and then your editor at the publisher gives you back what they call like a first big developmental edit and that's the time where it's like hey guys change texas to alaska actually this shouldn't be about an energy startup it should be about a, a information technology company uh and actually this character maybe should be female Hmm. just take notes and move on yeah and yeah you kind of do
0: yeah huh
2: like post-it notes like all over the place to try and keep everything straight i've seen that i had a professor who did that who had like they
1: showed their like writing process and they had a wall and it was just post-it notes everywhere
2: yeah Yeah,
1: interesting is there a specific do you like the initial draft more or do you like the revision is there in my mind it would be like frustrating like you almost if you don't like the revision and edit part of it you're probably not going to become a writer if it's better
2: yeah I feel like it gets better and I feel like yeah I haven't the editors that I've worked with I guess I've gotten lucky they have good suggestions you know I I bristle at it or I, I gotta chew on it for a second when I first get them but it is a good rationale for why they want things done a certain way. And um, I heard a another writer at a conference recently talk about, she used a term that I had never heard before. And that was, she said that before her first draft, she writes what she calls a trash draft, which is she just gets it all out. No editing, no second guessing, no paying attention to grammar or how anything is going to turn out. And it is like tapping into stream of consciousness. And then from there, she goes back and organizes and tries to set the story more clearly. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah.
1: Um, let's see here. Matt, do you have any fun questions here I got? Well,
0: I was curious, when you were, like, where you're at now, your fourth going into your fifth book, can you, like, have you sold it to a publishing house? Or do you have to finish and sell the sell the whole thing or can you sell the idea
2: at this point in your- yeah this one's not under contract yet so i'm going to get a draft together before my agent takes it okay and then he'll take it and then shop it around is that how that yeah the best is when you know th- there's different people have different feelings about it but um i i would prefer to sign a contract that has a few books in it so the I'm not, doing, I'm not in the, in some ways, I like the position that I'm in right now because I'm not on a deadline and there's more freedom. But in other ways, yeah, there's a there's some chance nothing will happen with it. And I'd like not to believe that, but you do kind of run a risk of all these uh, early mornings of putting time into something.
1: Have you ever, um, I was curious, there's a character in the, in this book, uh, the kind of the main detective Larson, that I was like, this is a fantastic character. And I was wondering and forgive me if you've done this before. Have you ever thought of like maybe writing? I don't want to say series of books. Maybe like a series of like one character, you know, different sort of, you know, settings or crimes or, or mysteries or something like that. Has that ever crossed your mind? Of oh, I had this perfect character, or do you like the ability to sort of, sort of, change? And you don't want to be
2: beholden to just this one character. Um, series are so popular. Yeah, that's a something that. Certain people really like, and I think that it gives you a readership mm. because people want to keep going back. Um, I haven't in maybe with this book, but I don't know about any of the others. I don't think I've had that setup mm. where I, I I could have naturally just taken it into like the next next case or whatever. Like, next. Yeah. Next yeah. Little stanza, yeah. No. But I'd be open to it. Yeah, I'd be open to it.
1: I read. Yeah, just, I like that character a lot. <laughs> <That's> very interesting. <laughs> Uh, kind of i like the idea of a kind of small time major crime i always like that sort of setup and sort of like yeah. they have to like show their chops when they haven't been used yeah in a while. So,
2: you, you guys uh, read uh josh molling's books um hmm. uh he he's with poison pen press um and he's got a small town detective and he's he's great i like that i like it's that it's good
1: uh if you had a shelf at your local independent bookstore you know sometimes they like staff recommends is there a specific author title of books how many books are we looking to recommend to people are you going to do maybe like mystery thriller genre or sort of your your favorites from all across the board
2: yeah no i i um i like all kinds of books i like all kinds of books so it would probably be and that that probably says it's revealing about me uh, that I like to just read all kinds of things. So I'd probably keep it eclectic.
1: You get a lot of books from publishers. Like as far as, I think we talked last time about the blurb game and how that works. Do you get like copies from mm-hmm. other authors or like advanced copies and be like, here's a book. Are you interested in it? Do you get that? Or do you you want to read your own thing or is that? Uh, maybe half
2: I've- a dozen times I've gotten it. Oh, okay. And I always say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, i've been in that position before of asking people and you know it's kind of a vulnerable position especially when you're first getting started and you don't know a lot of people yeah Um, so i i try and be cool about it so yeah
1: is the book business from your experience like a close group of people like are they very welcoming to like new writers or is it you sort of have to prove yourself. And then it's like, yeah. oh, now you're in the in the circle of trust,
2: so to speak. Or. Yeah, I'd say, you know, I, I live in Nashville. And so my, my best comparison would be the music business. Okay. Which does not seem like an open, welcoming business. necessarily. <laughs> it's very hard to break into. Um, but writers are usually pretty empathetic people. Um, I will say that it's kind of changing now because so many people self-publish and you know there's just so many ways to be out there and like it's pretty interesting to talk to somebody who writes in a different genre or writes in your genre but kind of in a different way um i always like finding the similarities that i have that's one of the cool things about going to conferences is you realize you have some of the same habits hmm. that's
1: um uh, i was seeing on your website you have a good book tour coming up or you're kind of like in the middle of it i was wondering how that's going how it's to talk about your book and do you have to talk about it in a new way do do readers tell you things that you didn't even notice in your book or is there kind of surprising things people notice about the book that you may be like oh i didn't even realize i was doing that or
2: yeah every once in a while and, and it's, it's kind of um it's cool when um readers get the, it's a win for the reader because they don't have they get to say Hey, what'd you mean on page 165 right here when you said this? And you know, you kind of put on the spot, but you know, they get their question answered. Um, the ones that are best sometimes are like those book festivals or book fairs Mm. because trying to get people out to a single bookstore event sometimes can be really tough. Yeah. And I get it. I love books, and I it is tough for me to get out to those things on like a weeknight. But at a book festival or book fair, people come out. They get to meet six or seven authors that they're interested in, and the author gets to meet more readers. It's usually kind of a win. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'd be petrified of having one of those things and no one showing up. But, <laughs> yeah, it's happened. Oh, it's I've happened. yeah I've seen it happen. Yeah, it's, it's happened. happened.
1: We uh, worked at Barnes and Noble, and there were some local authors that were be like, "Ah, feel bad." <laughs> yeah. That I've, I've a, also a, seen some that have been very popular. So yeah, it's hard to yeah. tell
2: really. That's cool too. Um, it's and I find it hard to predict which is gonna be which. Huh. Yeah. Um Matt, do you have any other questions? I feel
0: like well, I can... yeah, well, uh, let's see. If you could uh snap your fingers and see any book that you love adapted into a tv show or a movie uh what would that be
2: boy i don't know man because every time that happens i have mixed feelings about what comes out yeah i felt that way i would have said station 11 a couple years ago and people people really like i've heard that that show is well done i haven't watched it but I couldn't stop myself from watching some of the footage of it. And I just chose not to watch it because I enjoyed the book so much that I wanted it really kind of sequestered in my memories. Yeah. Do you ever
1: write, like when you're writing your books, do you ever like imagine them for like screen like TV or movie or whatever? Is there ever like okay. a crossover? Cause sometimes I read books and I'm like, Oh, this is, it's, this feels like it was obviously a book, but almost like, Oh, this could be easily adapted into a, a tv show or movie do you ever get that sense from just writing like oh this kind of seems like i'm doing sort of a, not a script for like a tv show but do you ever get that sense of maybe you're writing for a different medium in a way does that make sense yeah
2: but not in that instrumental way okay sometimes i think about it like it's just a writing tool like if this was a movie what would be the next scene
1: mm. and I think sometimes
2: you. that that helps me kind of keep a little momentum that's interesting i never thought of it that way
1: we're good. See, Matt and I—we're going to become writers at some point. Come and turn my English degree around. <laughs> um, so the, the next project—it sounds like, you know, it, hopefully it doesn't get changed over to Alaska. If it does, I,
2: I call. Then I call it here. Yeah. Uh,
1: do you still get the same? Um, I'm kind of thinking about this when you like. Fit, I, 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 listen to a lot of like comedy podcasts and they talk about this when they like release a, an hour special, the dread of like, Oh, I have to come up with a whole new thing, like a whole new set of jokes. Do you get that sense? Like as a writer, like you just finished this book and you're doing it on the press, but you're like, I have to do this again. Like, is that a thing? Or is it more, you've kind of talked about, you know, maybe you don't have the same feeling as the first one, but is there still that sort of
2: dread or is it, excitement, I guess there's matt's dog barking. uh you know i I, ha- I didn't experience it with this one because there's so much to talk about related to wow. psychology and yeah. grad school and academia and stuff that um th- this one's easy to talk about gotcha
0: well rj uh, uh i got a couple goofy questions yeah, all right man goofy, goofy fun all fun right. questions so well Would've been better if I could've slipped this in that, but whatever. Have you seen The Godfather? Yeah, yeah. Worth a watch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've yeah, not, I've yeah. not, not seen it. And I have Matt's <laughs> copy
0: for two years, <laughs> and he refuses to watch it, and I can't I refuse to watch it.
2: That's you know,
0: but it's, good. No, it's a good movie, that's right?
2: A, that's a legitimate question. I thought you were being facetious. No, that's yeah. You gotta watch it, man. It's as soon as you watch it, you'll have all of these cultural references will click, and you'll have this experience probably a dozen times to the film where you think, "Oh my gosh, this is where that's from." Yeah, I had that experience. I watched
1: movie Fargo not too like maybe five, ten years ago, and I was like, "Oh, this is a good." And then I realized I had a friend growing up. Like we were teenagers, and I just realized, oh, he quoted this movie all the time. And I always thought, I don't know what he's talking about. And yeah, then I watched the movie like 15 yeah. years later, I was like, oh, yeah. my friend <laughs> so it's I was like, oh, yeah. maybe that was yeah. helpful that I should have watched. Teenagers, we were like, oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I imagine that stuff would make sense with, like, yeah. why does that person say that? Huh? I don't know.
0: It's an interesting experiment at this point. Just how old you are having never seen like this cultural touchstone. I think it'd be interesting.
1: I could it. surprise you, RJ, with how many movies. And I like movies that I just never saw.
2: Uh, Star Wars?
1: Um. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so, like maybe one or two of them, but I don't really it's remember.
0: Pieces, and he doesn't even know like which ones. Which. It's Indiana Jones? Uh, um, no, I don't
1: think I've watched... Sat down and watched the whole Indiana Jones movie, except uh-huh. for like the fourth one. That one's like a bad. That's not very good. Lord. Oh wow!
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> like a parlor game. Yeah, I know. I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah. What you need, man, is like a snowstorm and a cabin. Yes, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and like a
2: player. Yeah, catch
1: up on your old movies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this drives Matt incredibly insane.
0: Just, it's it's just not. Scary. It's like Braveheart. Sometimes I'll just yeah.
1: I'll just pop one in and be like. I've
0: never seen Jaws
1: before, Matt. And he just shakes his head, doesn't know what to do. And I'm just like, anyway. I yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not a talent. It's not a trick. It's just <laughs> it got me differently. Just a weird thing. <laughs> is that your question? That was your last question? Is to prove I don't watch movies?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh... We appreciate you spending that giving us some time give some insight into your process and answering our, our goofy questions uh, the book is fantastic I'm going to make my I'm going to try to have my wife read it I think she'll she'll love it uh, the book's called this is how we end things I was curious how did you come up with the title I didn't
2: oh you didn't no the original title was you think you're so smart
0: oh I like that I like
2: that. I liked it too yeah. but you know
1: yeah. I, I didn't realize oh that's interesting. Is that an editor's
0: decision? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean I, they
1: both work the I life. don't want to spoil something, but there's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just
0: yeah. keep reading, Matt. Keep yeah. reading. Oh, I'm <laughs> gonna finish here too yeah. No, and it's I will like, like, say, if you're listening to this, like just pick up that the first few pages and you'll be hooked. Is a great opening. I really like it. You're, like you're just in. Yeah. You know? so.
1: yeah, best of luck on the book tour um, I hope this book sells a lot it's really good I think for fans of thrillers uh, dark academia is like how I saw it. I didn't know that that was like a like a subgenre but I kind of agree that's kind of a, a good description of it uh, makes you want to go back to college even though there's some murders uh, uh, makes you want to study makes you want to question your, your grad student you know, colleagues, all that good stuff. No, it's it's very enjoyable book. So check that out. Um you can buy Amazon use book or your independent bookstores anywhere. Um okay thanks for coming on the podcast.
2: Guys, thanks a lot for having me.